Welcome to the Catholic Apostolate Center podcast series. Today's podcast is a presentation that the Center sponsored at the 2018 Mid-Atlantic Congress in Baltimore, entitled Principal as Lay Ecclesial Minister. To view the slides the presenters reference, please go online to www.catholicapostolatecenter.org. Without further ado, I will let the presenters introduce themselves. Welcome. I'm Father Frank Donio. I'm the director of the Catholic Apostolate Center, which is based in Washington, D.C. And I am Barbara Edmondson, and I am the chief leadership and program officer at NCEA, but formerly the superintendent here in the Archdiocese of Baltimore. So I see a number of my former, I guess they're still my colleagues, colleagues in the room, so welcome. This is a very, very targeted presentation for a reason. Uh, we wanted to be able to engage in a conversation about the principle as lay ecclesial minister, and that's not exactly something that gets talked about a great deal. And the center has been involved in this conversation about lay ecclesial ministry when we assisted the, the bishops of the United States in their 10th anniversary reflection on the document, Coworkers in the Vineyard of the Lord. And so as a result, uh, principles are in that document. From 2005, principles are seen as lay ecclesial ministers. But I think it's important for us to start with, what does it mean to be a lay ecclesial minister? So what I'd like you to do, we're going to start right out of the gate with, uh, with a bit of sharing. And we know we've got some distance here. Thanks for being good Catholics, <laughs> sitting in the back. Um, but if you could turn to the uh, uh, other person, take a moment to jot down. What, is your, what do you see as, what does it mean to be a lay ecclesial minister? What does that mean? Let's define some terms here, get some feedback from you, and then continue on from there. All right, let's get some response from, from you. So, who, uh, what would you, how would you answer this question? Bueller, Bueller. No. <laughs> what over here? I would say I, I have it, I have a view that the principle is intended to be this face of the Catholic Church in the school, even if you're not connected to a parish. Um, so as I was talking with my partner, uh, Debbie, we were talking about how you have to walk the walk, talk the talk, and speak the language of the identity of our Catholic faith. Okay, great. Anyone else? So let's, let's look at this in terms of co-workers in the vineyard of the Lord. We're also going to be looking at, at some of this through the lens of a new document of the bishops called Living as Missionary Disciples, a resource for evangelization, which will have a session at 3 o'clock that completely unpacks this document. But it is meant for parishes, schools, church ministries in how do we truly assist our brothers and sisters in encountering Christ and going forth as missionary disciples. The school community is a key one and the principal as leader of that community is key to that effort. But when we look at these, uh, these church documents, 
living as missionary disciples, the lay ecclesial minister really participates in the pastoral care and therefore is a leader of others. So in Coworkers in the Vineyard of the Lord, how many of you ever have read that and have taken a look at it, okay? The school principal is listed among these ministries, pastoral associate, youth minister, director of catechetical formation or faith formation, and also the liturgical slash music ministry leader. And you say, okay, well, yeah, I get those other ones, but sometimes people will say, hang on a minute, why is the school principal in there? This is a key community where the parish or the particular area may not be encountering or may well be encountering most significantly, are encountering most significantly five days a week at least, if not more, this community of young people, of families, of staff who are a part of the, the community and faculty. So this is a, an, a prime opportunity for the leader of the, of the community, the principal, to and those who collaborate with the principal to be faith formators. And sometimes we, we get a little edgy on that. Uh, you know, is this proselytizing? It's not what we're talking about. How are we engaging? But the, the lay ecclesial minister, the, the bishops say, really has authorization. Someone has recognized this role. The principal is recognized, authorized, to be able to take this role in leadership of this section of the community. Yes, in collaboration with other church leaders, particularly if it's a parish school, the pastor, or with the diocese, but the day-to-day -day leader is the principal. And so therefore has that leadership role and is seen as a leader, as the leader of that local community. And then close mutual collaboration, as I said, with the pastor, with the diocese, with others who are engaged in ministry within that local community. Then also participation and formation, that there's formation for this role. It's not, now of course for principals, that's a very key, okay, yes, no brainer. Some of the other areas of lay ecclesial ministry, formation is not as structured as it is for an educator in schools and particularly a school administrator. It's not, the, the structure is not, the, Sometimes it's, it's a little more fluid in terms of how people end up in those leadership roles. So in one way, it's, it's a, the formation is, is more, but formation in what? Maybe formation in the particular area and especially in expertise that one may have in education, but in terms of faith formation, what is that formation like? We talk, you mentioned Catholic identity which is often a key piece, as Barbara is going to be getting into, often a, a, a key piece that, that people are, are focused on with our Catholic schools. That identity requires in a leader who's well-formed to be able to know what is that identity? How do we live this and how do we live Christ? So looking at those areas of formation, it's important to ask the question, do you see yourself 
in that role. And in this document, what the bishops are talking about is how do we assist our brothers and sisters in encountering Christ? Again, sometimes in the school environment, we may get a little nervous about it. We don't want to seem like we're proselytizing. But what does that witness look like in the building, particularly, of community within the school? The bishops break this out into a methodology of Christ, of the encounter of Christ, accompanying, I mean, that's a, certainly a key aspect of schools, of accompanying the young person in their growth and even their families, of a community that's built and that's developed and that assists and nurtures and grows, and then going forth. How do we send people forth from there? Particularly those who are called to witness Christ, which really, especially for those who are baptized, all of us are. So when we look at that, do you see yourself, and that's another piece I'd like you to take a moment now, and again, share. do you see yourself in that type of role? as a principal? Do you see yourself looking at, at those different areas in, that I've just out, outlined? Do you see yourself in that kind of role? And if you, if you say, no, it's OK, but where, where do you see yourself? I'm just giving what, where the US bishops are when it comes to this piece. So if you would. Okay, how about if we draw it back together? Do you see yourself in this role? And how do you see yourself? Any thoughts around that?
balance being a spiritual leader, an inspiration, a visionary, but also the business at the end of the day of mm -hmm. um, have to have tough conversations with people, mm -hmm. you know, HR type conversations, sure. and how to balance that. And I know that Christ was able to do it, so we have to be able to do it. But I wish that we had more formation on that, on how to um, take uh, that role. How can you be both? And it's the same challenge that pastors have. And uh, it's, the, it's the exact same challenge that a pastor has in that way. Because you're, you're the spirit, and then, then you're, you're dealing with, in a parish or a church ministry that one might be the leading, and now you have to enter into these other issues that are, are, just, uh, are important, but may, well, people might say, well, wait a minute, how come you're not and then take out the charity stick and hit you with it and so forth. So yes, it's a very, it's, it's a, a, a very significant balance that you're talking about. And Barbara's going to be getting into elements of that too. Sure. Anyone else want to share anything that you may have talked about? Rob? hire principals are in a very challenging position to archdiocese and, and diocese because there is such great competition for private education take away the faith part so we have to put our best foot forward as educational systems to be able to have academics so we continue to look to those leaders that can financially sustain ourselves as school communities that can academically uh, move us forward it's almost as if the faith part gets put on the back burner where i think there was probably a different time where that was the first and foremost quality that you looked for it's difficult to do that nowadays with the hats that principals have to wear mm -hmm. well in in beginning this discussion and, and father frank had uh, the two um, documents and the one document the newer document living as missionary disciples that's really something to, um, that I really want to talk about with regard to the role of, of the principal. I was just this morning, uh, well, let me, let me step back a bit. When, when Father and I began talking about this, and I actually read the document for the first time, one of the things that struck me was that we make assumptions because people work in Catholic schools, and especially a principal choosing that as their vocation or their ministry that they work in Catholic schools, we make an assumption that they know the Lord. And it's really just that an assumption because, you know, we can be believers without really knowing the Lord. We may not have really had our own encounter with the Lord to know the real presence. And so that's where it's so important to begin to think about where does formation come for the principal, where does it come for the teacher? Because, you know, if, if you know and you love someone, it's someone that you share with others, right? You want them to be places with them. You want to tell stories about them. You want everyone to know about them. And so, again, we could believe in Christ and not necessarily know. We haven't had the encounter. We don't know the love. We don't know the Christ. And so that's important to think about. And I want you to think about that as we talk with regard to yourselves and with regard to your teachers um, as well. I think it would be fair to assume that people who say I want to be a Catholic school teacher or a Catholic school principal 
99% of the time, they believe in Jesus Christ, okay? Do they know him is the other question, okay? Because to be a missionary disciple, you must know the Lord because it's about going out and sharing that relationship that you have with the Lord with others to then accompany them and bring them into relationship, okay? So in Catholic schools, we often talk about our Catholic identity, right? We say that all the time. We, you know, in our benchmarks and standards for Catholic schools, Catholic identity. What's your Catholic identity? Get your evaluation, you talk about your Catholic identity. We use those words, Catholic identity. And so, you know, the role of the principal, much more than Catholic identity. I think sometimes we fall short in our schools by thinking that if our students attend mass, if we pray each morning, if we have grace before meals, if we have statues of Mary, and of course we have crucifixes in our classrooms, and even maybe little prayer corners in our table, all those things we say, we have a strong Catholic identity. But it's so much more than that. Having a Catholic identity is truly about everything that we do at the school. It's about even what you were saying, Rachel, where, you know, how do I then talk to someone about a difficult personnel situation? How do I work with a parent whose child is having such difficulty? And really, the key to that, and it's, you know, and it is not an easy thing to do, is to always be working at that relationship. Because if the first relationship we have is with the difficult, it will not be a relationship. But if it's an ongoing relationship that we build as we try to build, and we'll talk a little bit later, that community, those most difficult situations, no guarantee, but even those most difficult situations might go in a different place because of a trust that's been built with you and the members of your community, whether they be your faculty, your parents, or even students who you are, um, who you are working with. So I thought it might be helpful to talk about our Catholic schools and use the defining characteristics of Catholic schools. Okay, so those of you may or may not have it, but if you don't have it and you actually are a Catholic school leader, which I'm assuming except for the people way in the back, if you don't own one of these little books, okay, by Archbishop Michael Miller, you should, okay? Because this book in 2016 really took the church's teaching on, on Catholic education, what it is, all that it could be, and put it together and looked at really five dimensions of Catholic schools. And these defining characteristics, though they are more than five, are really adapted from that, that, that basically they were spelled out. And the best place to sort of find these is when you look at the national standards and benchmarks, you'll see that they were built on these defining characteristics. So it's important to understand them. We won't, we'll quickly go through them all, but I really want to focus on just a few. So centered in the person of Christ, and that's where I want to go back actively engaged in the evangelizing mission of the church, distinguished by excellence, committed to educate the whole child, steeped in a Catholic worldview, sustained by gospel witness, steeped in communion and community, which we would talk about, accessible to all children, and then of course, established by the expressed authority of, of the bishop, okay? But really what I wanna focus on for a few minutes is the first one. So centered in the person of Christ. And what strikes me about this characteristic is that it specifically says centered in the person of Christ. So all of us know things, sayings like, what would Jesus do or to teach us Jesus did? These are all documents that were there before. But let's take a moment and think about who the person of Jesus Christ is and what our school would look like 
if it was centered in the person of Jesus Christ. Think about all the different things that go on in the school, but think about, I'm sorry, I'm not used to having the microphone there. Think about the things that go on in the school and think about what school would look like if it was centered in the person of Jesus Christ. Just take a minute. You don't even have to share with each other. Just think about it for a second. Some thoughts, some things that come to mind. Ralph. Okay. Okay. So uh, come one, come all. Okay. Utopia. Okay. So tell me a little bit more what you think. We know what utopia means, but what does that mean for you? That everyone would be accepting. I'm sorry. Everyone would be accepting of each other. Everyone would be praising each other. It would just be the perfect. It would be heaven on earth. Mm -hmm. Okay. Other thoughts? Both, you know, bo both great images. And what I think about, when I think about this, I think about things that are definitely um, included in the statements that you made, that there would be great tolerance, there would be love, there certainly would be challenges. You know, Jesus didn't let people off the hook, okay? You know, we talk about love and we often think that love isn't just that, oh, we love you, yes, we love you regardless, but he challenged people and we are challenged to bring the best out in our faculty, we are challenged to bring the best out in our students and we're even challenged to bring the best out in our parents as well. So he challenged people, he welcomed people, he went out into the community, okay? He told stories. You know, here's the interesting thing. A missionary disciple shares their faith, their love of Christ with others. If you remember the stories that Jesus himself told, he told stories of the Father, right? He came so that others would know his Father through the stories he told and through the actions. Same thing that we're called to do if we, in fact, are disciples of Christ, to tell our stories, tell our stories of Jesus, to tell the stories of the Father, to bring others closer and closer to Christ. And so if you think about your school being centered in the person of Christ, you might begin to think about policies that you have, you know, the ways that your teachers interact with your students, the way that you might pray together. We can go on and on. I mean, I could probably list like 50 different things to look at, but if we always went back to that, who is the person of Christ and how might our school be formed around that person of Christ, we might see a different school, right? There's probably some things that are wonderful about your school, but there's probably some other things, if you really thought about it, are really contrary to who we know the person of Christ is. So I'm going to suggest that what you might do with your faculty, okay, with these char defining characteristics of Catholic schools, is to talk about them, have your faculty become familiar with them, have them reflect on them, and ask those the quest personal question, what does that mean for our school? What happens in your classroom, okay? What's happening in your classroom that's like this? And begin to really talk about it and do some reflection. I was recently with um, the superintendent for the Archdiocese of Milwaukee, and she said at a large principal meeting, they used these defining characteristics. To, they broke them into groups, and each group had a defining characteristic. And they spent some time talking about that and what would that mean and what does all this reflection. And then they shared that reflection, and they actually wrote a prayer 
for their diocese, for the Archdiocese of Milwaukee, based on these defining characters, the prayer for Catholic schools of what we want our schools to become. And so it's a suggestion that I might have for you to do with your faculty as part of an activity, even part of a retreat activity, to begin focusing on those defining characteristics and then how do we aspire to bring that into our community? How do we transform our community first in the person of Jesus, but also by the other things that we know that a Catholic school is called to be. Yeah, and that's why I'm suggesting like use them. They are such a wonderful sort of a framework, a launching, a way to really begin to talk about what you want for your schools and how you transform those schools to truly be centers of Christ where disciples are formed. Again, where we bring people to an encounter in Christ, we accompany them along the way, and then what's the end result? That they go out and they share their experience of school. They tell their stories as well. The role of the principal. Okay, so welcome and hospitality, okay? Welcome and hospitality are not reserved for open houses, okay? <laughs> And we do that, right? We put on our best whatever, we put on our happy face, we clean up the school, it looks great, and everyone that the family, hopefully, during the open house at least, everyone that the families encounter say, what a great place for my child to be. This is a wonderful place. If they don't, I will guarantee you that they're not coming to your school, okay? But if they come, and they feel that community, that something's different. They, they will desire that for the children. And I want to point something out to you that's very, very real. Very recently, um, just last year, the, um, the NCEA, the National Catholic Educational Association, did a market research study. And uh, they themselves didn't do it, but they did it with Fatica, with some other partners and a research firm. And they were asking people, parents, predominantly parents who didn't attend Catholic schools, um, what, what it was that kept them from attending schools, or what would they be looking for if they wanted to attend Catholic schools? Well, as you might imagine, very much a lot of emphasis on academic excellence, right? They want their, their, their children to be prepared for high school, go on to college, and be prepared in the work world of a 21st century. So a lot of discussions around STEM education, things that we know are, the, are innovations in the way that people learn and think. So that, but then there was a, a piece about you know the faith, and so they said you know we, we're concerned about all that teaching of religion, seriously, and so it didn't fall well on the ears of people who had to hear the research study, but if you dug a little deeper, what they were saying in that regard is they thought that religious instruction might be replacing academic instruction. Well, we know that's not true, but that's just perception, okay? And perceptions can be very very false, but what they did say. On the flip side of that is they really desired a place where their children and they would be part of a community and that their children will be well developed as moral citizens and really feel a purpose in life. Well, I think that's what we do. Is that not what we do? We basically invite people or we should be inviting people into a community, a community of faith where we, we bring the most, we nurture the most from their children each day through our example not just our words, but most importantly through our example, model to them how to be young people who, who know what's right, who do what's right, and to reach out to others to care for them. So that really is our goal as Catholic educators. So even though they were a little squeamish about the religious instruction, they weren't sure where that all fit in to their child's education, 
what we and what we should be doing be best at is what they really desired for their children. So that's the good news. So when we wrote here that it's welcoming hospitality and delivering it, it means that hospitality and welcome, the way that you are the day they come into the school, making them feel that they're the most important person that ever walked in the front door, is how the children should feel every day when they come into your school. That their teachers are happy to see them, that you as the principal is happy to see them, and that parents, no matter how much a pain in the neck they are, because we all know them, when they hear Mrs. Mm, you're ready to have, you know, that they feel that they're, they are listened to and that they are valued in the community. If you have that within your school, I will guarantee you that it may not have the best facility or it may not have the greatest innovation, but there will be something that draws people in. Because as parents, and many of you in this room are parents, certainly I'm a parent, we not only want a great education for our children, but we want them to belong and we want to know that when we are not with them, that there'll be people that will care for them and nurture them and educate them in a way that is best for them. That in a way, let's be honest, as educators, we share in the role, not as parents because we're not parents, but we certainly serve in the role of forming young people. And probably spend in this day and age with how busy kids are, we probably spend more time with the kids than the parents do. Right, because they're running to this activity, that activity. We have these kids six and a half, seven hours a day. What an awesome responsibility, but what an awesome responsibility we have to do right by our children and make them understand that really inherently as children of God, they have a great responsibility to those around them and the world that will, um, will be. And it's consistent witnessing that, and, and really that open house. And there are those moments where, okay, well now we'll, we'll witness and we'll kind of cut this apart because we're going to have our, our prayer time, we're going to have this. It needs to permeate throughout. The witnessing needs to be throughout the day in those moments that are the challenging moments and the moments of joy. And as Blessed Paul VI would say, um, it's witness, people learn more from witnesses than they do teachers. If a teacher is a witness, then the strength of that, imagine. My own experience as, as a principal, and I know that those of you who know me, you know, I've, I've certainly shared parts of this, but when I had the, the incredible opportunity to be, to open a school and to, and, and to do that, and the school was very, very successful. And I know that the reason that that school was very successful, one could say, oh, because you had a new building, right? And everyone loves new buildings and such, but not so much. I mean, that's just a building. But I think what happened, because the people who would work in that school, teachers as they talked, many times they would share in, in prayer meetings or such, the fact that they felt called to come to the school, there was something about it or a strange coincidence occurred, or someone said this and then they learned about this school, or they had a child who was going into kindergarten and they had been a teacher at home and now they wanted to be a teacher. People kept telling stories about feeling that they were called to work there. Well, what happened was that translated into really uh, the atmosphere, that community where people felt it when they came to the school and wanted to be there and wanted to be there. Again, not, not my doing. Yes, I was part of that community and I was feeling those same things and sharing those same things, but that sense that they were called to something bigger than them really made people feel like, I want to be a part of this too. And so you had a school that really kind of just grew from the ground up because people, and let's face it, people always have, 
But in this day and age, people really are seeking a sanctuary, something more important, something that makes them feel safe and secure. And I used the word belong before. Okay, so some, these are really, these are simple things that I thought of that we can do in our schools to really create this environment, okay? So share your faith story, all right? Now, your faith story doesn't need to be, when I was, you know, in first grade, I did this, and I remember sister so-and-so, and then we did this. Things that have brought you to encounter with Christ, share with people. And I'm gonna share a very simple one that happened very recently, okay, is that I, um, obviously, uh, for those of you in this room who know that I, it's only been six months since, I, well, all of you will know that, six months since I transitioned from one position to the next. It was a big transition for me. So that, with my family, my, I have adult children, and high school, there's so much going on, and I tend not to really kind of be a calm person. I'm always thinking, and I'm just a little bit crazy. That's just the way that it is. And so... I was just feeling a lot of angst, and I was feeling, are things good? Am I, am I making the right decisions? I can't believe this is happening. At the same time, this is happening. So we've all been there, right? We all know those times. And I have this little desk calendar, right? It's not even a calendar. It's sort of like a word of the day, kind of thought of a day. And I turn it to whatever day that was, and it says, be still and know that I am, right? So I say, okay, Lord, you know, all right, you're talking to me. I got it, right? So, of course, you know, the spirit likes it, but my mind's still racing. I'm not going anywhere. The next afternoon, I go to pick up my son, and I go to the store that I've never been in before. And it's like a home goods kind of store, but, but different than that. It has a lot more spiritual things in it. So I turn around, and right there on the table is a wall hanging that says, be still and know that I am. I'm like, okay, Lord, I got it. But you know what? I'm still crazy. You know what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not living by, by that. And then the next day, and I, I'm not making this up, the next day I'm driving, and I always have the, the contemporary Christian station on my radio when, when I'm driving, and this song comes on that I never heard. What is it? Be still and know that I am. No. So the point, the point there is not like it was a radical change in my life because, you know, still crazy after all these years. But what it was, I felt that the Lord was talking to me. He was saying, Barbara, you are fretting over things that you need not fret over, okay? I am here. Sit with me, listen to me, listen, listen to your heart, and do this. And I think we have these experiences all the time, but we're so busy in our lives, we really kind of don't give them much notice, or we, 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 we say, oh, that's just a coincidence. Well, that wasn't a coincidence, okay? That's not a common kind of thing. It just kept coming to me, you know, all the time. And I had a similar experience where I kept finding this rosary in my pocket. So I'm like, I know the Lord wants me to have a deeper devotion to Mary. I know it. Have I done it? I haven't done it. So I'm not suggesting, like, do what I do, and it's going to be wonderful. I'm saying the Lord is speaking to you. You need to listen and to keep him near and then to share that experience of, of joy that you felt from that with others. That's what being a disciple is all about. Okay, acknowledge the Lord. So whenever we can thank the Lord for things in our life, wherever we can openly talk about the Lord, talk about you know, the, the, the presence, the presence of the Lord, not just God bless or whatever, but, you know, the Lord is present here. Let's call together in prayer. Let's feel his presence, okay? Whenever we can acknowledge the Lord, and it may not be a natural for you, and it may be very deliberate and intentional that you need to do that in your own conversations, 
but the more often you practice doing it, it will become more natural to you because it's in your heart, but you may not be able to articulate. In our faith, we don't talk about the Lord like others, other Christians do. It's not a natural for us sometimes, so it may need to be something that we more deliberately practice so that, remember, we're talking about that person that we love so much. We want to tell everyone about that person. Um, share a meal. This is especially with your faculty, you know. We, we all know those, we have our little people that we kind of sit with. We don't like to think that they're cliques. We want to think we could sit with anyone, but we gravitate towards certain people. I will tell you that if there's a lunch for your faculty, if you eat breakfast together from prayer, sit with other people and listen. You will learn a lot about people in a good way, things that are important to them. And then um, cre create prayer experiences. So I would suggest that maybe finding ways that we can pray in ways that aren't um, prayers that we uh, recite, that we already know, that we do without thinking, that we forget what the meaning truly is. But whenever we can sort of practice praying from the heart, um, ask the Holy Spirit to be with you, and say what's on your heart and what's your mind. It doesn't matter if it doesn't come out perfect, okay? What it matters is that it comes from your heart and you're really sharing what your intention is, what your worry is, what your joy is, what your thanksgiving is. So try to create prayer experiences when people can freely um, talk and kind of move away from, they, all, they have their place. Our prayers of our church have their place. But they're not great, God, God forgive me, they're not great relationship builders, okay? So pray in ways that bring people in, okay? That bring people in and invite them to, that, and the, your prayer invites others to share as well. So when we look at this in terms of this, the things that Barbara was talking about are opportunities to form deeper community. And we, we use the phrase, we, we had talked about uh, pretty extensively about this whole thing about family and, and school as family. And you have some, some really interesting yeah. thoughts about that, Barbara. Yeah. That, yeah, I've been actually when I when I first um, went to my new position, I was interviewed for Momentum magazine, and they said, you know, they always talk about Catholic schools as families. Are they really families? And I said, no, because guess what? You don't choose your family. Okay, people choose to come to you. Okay, and if they feel that they are part of something, that they come there and they're part of St. Mary's or St. Ursula's or St. Stephen's or St. Pipe, whatever it might be. If they feel a part of it, that's community. That's not their family. Sometimes they feel like family. They become very familiar with one another, right? And what does that really mean when we say a family? It means we can count on one another. It means that we like to be in each other's presence. It, know, it feels like the Lord is here when we're gathered together. And not that you can't have that in a family, but remember, we want people to be in our community and they can choose to be or not be. And that's why that whole idea of hospitality and welcome is so important because we need to build a community. Remember, going back to the example of the Lord, the Lord did not travel on his own. The Lord traveled with disciples and everyone. He was always in community and welcoming more people. Even when the disciples said, oh, leave him alone, he's too busy. Oh, no, no, come, come. And so that's what we want to think about is creating a community and not always thinking that we're one big family. Because you know what happens when we talk about family? Sometimes when we talk about family, those that really don't feel like a part of the family feel they have no place there. Sometimes talking about family because there's, and we all know we have them in our schools, we have those groups, right? 
If we use the word family, sometimes people feel excluded. Community is so much more inclusive. So think about your school as a community and how that community goes even beyond that school, how you begin to embrace the, the larger, let's say, and, parish. And it allows for the, for the diversity because in, the, in that diversity, we can sometimes see, uh, see tension or we can see difficulty. Instead, to see the, the body of Christ and the Lord, in the spirit of the Lord, permeating that community and building unity. But that the leader, the principal, needs to be the one who assists in that formation, in forming that community, in providing the, the space and the place for that to be, and forming faculty to be, and staff to be able to do that. Um, and so this is a, a piece that we would like to dwell on a little bit in the time that we have left. We have about only about uh, 14 minutes left in, mm -hmm. in our time together. So we want to take a, a, a moment or two to, to talk about this piece of, of community and how it, it can assist in forming, uh, forming in, in the faith and what, what, that can, what that can do. So if you can just take a moment to, to think about that a bit and maybe get together and then we'll we'll have some opportunity for, for some feedback and then some questions. Okay, we wanna pull the group back together and then we're going to have some questions. Any, any thoughts on, on this topic about forming, forming faculty, formation of faculty, and, and I would say staff as well, in, in terms of building that community? Um, how to go, yes. Um, we were talking and I had mentioned, you know, we did call it a fab family and we'll say it's a dysfunctional family. But when you look at community, like I was saying, when, I bought, when you buy a house, you look at the community where you're buying and you want to be part of that area where you're buying. That's what the Catholic school is. You are buying because of Jesus's words. So, you know, I... I, as Barbara knows, I've come from a non-Catholic background um, in education. And to see what my staff has given up and what they have brought, my belief, my walking in Jesus' footsteps has grown tenfold in my two and a half years. And it's because of the community, not the family. Mm -hmm. Yes, and that is the place. That is the place where where the the faith is nurtured, and the leader is nurtured. I mean, you can uh, anyone. If it's not a one way street, You're, and I'm glad you shared that because it, it's it's mutual. Mm -hmm. It's happening, and we grow together, and it's an ongoing growth in in, in faith, uh, in in this life in Christ, and then being able to go forth. And yeah. Deb, you said the word dysfunctional family, you said it as a joke, and we say that, but you know, for a lot of people, the word family really isn't a positive, right? Exactly. We have so many different, we have broken families, we have so many different family experiences, but community is something that we can give them. We're not trying to recreate that, we're trying to build a community, so I think it's much more life-giving mm -hmm. um, than the word family for some, yeah. Okay, anyone Other else? Thoughts? Let's move to questions. Any questions or comments, thoughts? 
We were just talking about that, and and that's that is a really challenging reality because, for example, I mentioned those other ministries that are considered in the in co-workers as lay ecclesial ministries. Their certification as a lay ecclesial minister for each of those other ministries by the, the national organizations in conjunction with the bishops' conference. So for example, NFCYM, National Federation of Catholic Youth Ministry, does that for youth ministers. Not every youth minister is a, has the certification, but if they wish to seek it, that's through them, National Association of Lay Ministry does it for pastoral associates. There are, but there seems to be an, an area where at least as lay ecclesial ministers, it's an undeveloped area. Mm -hmm. And yet you have these, these various characteristics that are there that you say, well, th that's not stuff I picked up in educational administration <laughs> or in you know, elementary or secondary ed class. Uh, I may have picked bits and pieces in my theology class and personal faith formation and development. W where do I get these other things? And and then you know Barbara and I we were just talking about that as you were talking because we, we it really is an area that is in need of significant development. I think though just as we do personal development, we, we we say to people that they should be responsible for their own professional development as well, not just expect someone else to do it. So what that means is then to utilize other resources in order to fill those lacunae, the, those areas. That are, that are not there, what are the resources? I mean, you can go to our website, Catholic Apostolate Center, we have a lot of resources around these, these, some of these topics that can help in, in those areas. But it's that personal, first off, it's not that difficult. You know, Barbara had mentioned a number of simple things that can be done. Those simple things can lead to the more, it's not so much head knowledge as it is, how am I witnessing Christ? day to day? Is that conscious and on my mind, along with the 10,000 other things that I'm doing, does that permeate everything that I'm doing? What does that look like, concretely? Is it easy? No. Especially when you're going to have that HR uh, conversation. It's not easy. But am I doing that charitably? Or am I slamming? How, you know, the how that that's done. Um, all of those pieces, I think, are the part of ongoing formation that one needs to take responsibility for. Yeah, Barbara, yeah I, I, I had the opportunity to, um, to be on a working group for the Bishops' Conference around principal formation. And you know, one of the things that, um, that everyone on, in the group, and there were a, a wide variety of people, including three bishops that were part of this discussion, is that it is acknowledged that our, our, um, the way that we have provided formation has been knowledge-based most times. And uh, one would argue that um, we need to begin with the personal, with the encounter, and the desire to learn more about the Lord and our faith before we start with, you know, with the knowledge. So that being said, I'm not saying that we have something that is ready to go but that is the discussion because it is true is that 
people, especially in the role of the principal, I mean, your, your role is so critical to what that community becomes. A community will not grow in a school in spite of the principal. Okay, it doesn't. It actually becomes a counter to that. There may be some good things happening, but you sort of have this like underground world uh, within a school. And so it's so important. So it's a discussion that we're having, but a discussion that's ongoing that there really needs to be a new kind of formation for school leaders. Even if you look at research, just to sort of validate a little bit more, a number of articles recently have been, have been written as the principal as a spiritual leader. And I'm sure I'm not going to tell you anything that's a surprise, is that those um, leaders who have been most effective in their schools, it's not that they don't have a skill set, which is the administrative skill set, but they first and foremost are spiritual leaders, and other things begin to flow from that. If they have the skill set without that ability to be communal and to lead in that way, then that's basically they run the building. They're the building manager, mm -hmm. okay, which is very, very different. So um, just, you know, every point I'm making here is saying there really is a need for us to begin to create things to address um, I think really what people want. It's not only what they need, but what people really want. Okay, we right. have time for one more question if there is. If not, we'll let class out early. <laughs> uh, on behalf of the Catholic Apostolate Center, we want to thank Dr. Barbara Edmondson oh, for, thank you. and for National Catholic Educational Association for partnering with us on this presentation. And thank you. We hope you have a, a good rest of the time at MAC and uh, know that our prayers and our support are with you. You can go to catholicapostolatecenter.org. Our information is there to the left. Thank you again. Thank you for listening to this presentation. For more information on the topics covered and to view the presentation slides, please visit our website at www.catholicapostolatecenter.org. There, you will find free resources, webinars, and much more, all designed to help revive faith, rekindle charity, and form apostles. Mm -hmm.